Welcome to Building Your Unique Training Brand, a podcast series for training industry leaders, marketers, and sales teams looking for better ways to engage corporate L&D buyers. You'll learn how to build stronger long-term partner relationships, add more value with your marketing and sales approach, and solve the right problems for the right clients. I'm Marcus Schaller, and I'm excited to welcome Cheryl Brookleman, Principal at Epiphany Coaches. We talk about recognizing and serving the unique needs of your clients throughout the organization, including HR partners and individual learners, using content marketing to engage your target audience, build relationships, and create a community, and educating clients on the value of coaching and the specific impact it can have within their organization. My name is Cheryl Brookleman. I'm the principal at Epiphany Coaches, and we are a global leadership coaching company. So we've got a team of about 50 coaches, and really the work that we do is working with leaders, supporting mm -hmm. them to lead well, um, which also means achieving some great business results too. And I would say, you know, there's so many things that are underneath that leadership umbrella. Um, and the one place that we have a real specific focus is around how leaders can develop great relationships. So that's a focus point for us. Great. And yeah, and that brings me to, you know, why I wanted to connect with you. One of, one of the themes that I see in, in what you do at Epiphany is this relationship intelligence uh, mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, core theme. Could you just tell us a little bit about what that means to you and, and how it relates to, to leadership? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say, you know, maybe even over 10 years ago now, um, time goes fast, but you know, as, as a coaching team, you know, we're always checking in with each other. What are the trends? What are the patterns? Like, how is leadership evolving? What do we need to be addressing, right? Because it's not okay to stand still or you're not going to be supporting, you know, your clients where they are today. Hmm. So, you know, we checked in and realized, you know, people come to us and, you know, with coaching, you always have coaching goals to guide the work you're doing. And a lot of those coaching goals 10 years ago and even today were around, you know, help me build my relationship skills. Now, mm -hmm. leaders don't use that language, actually. You know, they'll say things like, hey, I need to, I need to, you know, get closer to my people. I need to learn how to manage up. You know, I need to learn how to manage across or manage down. Or they might say, I need to have more executive presence or I just, I need to build stronger partnerships. All that language was around relationship skills. And so as a team, we realized we need to satisfy this need. And maybe there's something more that we can do versus just an organic approach. So what we did is we worked in partnership with Dr. Nancy Soleil um, at Queen's University. And we created not only a relationship model, but a diagnostic tool, something that we could have clients complete and get a sense of, hey, where are you strong in relationship skills and mm. use those more? And where are some areas that you could develop so that you could be a stronger leader? Because at the end of the day, um, not only were people coming to us and asking for this, but it's a strong belief that we hold, which is you're good to your people, you develop your people, that's how you're gonna achieve results. That's the secret sauce, because it's mm. always people at the end of the day that are doing everything. Um, so something that, you know, we built about 10 years ago and we continue to, you know, evolve how we use it, um, and mm -hmm. how we work with leaders. And I have to say, like, 
you know, you think about the last 18 months with the pandemic and, you know, uh, the need for leaders to step into that space and really support their people, like in ways there are, you know, caring and connected leaders all over. Um, mm. However, it's not a natural place for a lot of leaders. You know, you think about historically, you know, where we were even taught years ago that don't get too close to your people, right? You, you may need to let them go or you don't want to step across a professional line. And, and the truth is, is that I think the last 18 months has taught us how critical it is um, for leaders to actually be close, be empathetic, be caring. And you can do those things at the same time that you're driving amazing results. You don't have to compromise one for the other. Yeah, it seems like they, they actually complement each other, which is the entire goal of this, right? Is that these, these exactly. skills make you better at your job and therefore make everybody better, right? That's exactly it. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you, a couple of words really popped out at me um, they, when you were describing this relationship with your executive clients and leaders that you work with is this identification or the recognition of need on their part. And that's one of the things that's mm. always interesting to me as a marketer, as, a, as somebody in the sales profession, as somebody in the training coaching profession is, you know, when, you, when you're working with an individual, let's say just for a you know, hypothetical, you're working with a small business owner who finds you through your website, right? And this, sure. You know, they find you and they have, they're the business leader. They're also the decision maker. They're the HR department. They're everything, right? And so it's very much a one-on-one relationship that they identify the need. But it's it's certainly more complicated when you're dealing with enterprise or when you're dealing with larger organizations, right? And um, to start out, just to give a little bit of context with regards to um, the people you work with, do you find that the leaders themselves are the ones in general, I know this is kind of an over, over like mm -hmm. one, like a broad stroke, but that they're the ones that recognize this need and they're the ones that see that gap on their own and therefore really engage with you fully? Or is it also where it's brought in maybe from the company level, maybe from the senior, senior leadership, the C-suite, and then, and then you have to figure out how to work with people. It, does that make sense as far as like, the framing of, of the, how they determine the need and how they relate to the need themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. And I think it's a mix of both, right? I mean, we, like you said, when we're working with large organizations, mm. um, we're typically working with the HR partner, right? Mm. Who's identified a need. And that could be uniquely with, you know, a couple key leaders, or when you get into larger programs, they're looking for themes of leadership that they want their leaders to be embracing, right? Mm -hmm. So it can come from them for sure. Or maybe they're identifying somebody who is an amazing leader. They want to invest in that person. They see great things happening and they notice that they'd be even better if they mm -hmm. could, you know, and a lot of people use the language of EQ, you know, mm -hmm. uh, very popular. Um, they need to grow those EQ skills. Um, and so it definitely comes from HR or the community partners that will set up coaching for leaders. Mm. Um, but leaders know it themselves too. You know, they come to it too. They, they, recognize, um, they recognize the moments and the situations that are awkward or don't come naturally. Um, and they want to step in and they want to do better there. Got it. Yeah, because it's, 
thank you for 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 um, defining that too, because when I when I think of sometimes the hardest things in learning and development or coaching or or specifically with leadership, right? You have people who rose to a relatively high position, right? They're an executive role, a CC mm. role. And, and with that comes the, the potential for a lot of bias internally, a lot of cognitive bias, right? Of thinking like, I have the answers, right? There's like an ego component to this that's, that I always look at as potentially being present. And so one of the things I find interesting in, in thinking about how does one sell coaching and training is how do you relate to the, you know, the, the person you're training themselves and how their relationship to growth, right? Because so, some people um, aren't that open, right? To suggestions or, or feedback. Would you, would you see that, that you come across that as well sometimes? Uh, you mean, do I come across people that maybe come into coaching, but they actually are not open to new ideas? Yeah, they kind of come at it from, hey, I, I got to this position because I obviously know, whatever, like the typical kind of, I, I know it all kind of attitude, you know, and I'm, I'm just very much generalizing <laughs> at this point, but yeah. just as far as like broad strokes. Hmm. Well, you do get a little bit of that sometimes. Mm. I would say though that, um, I would say that when people are resistant to, mm. to, you know, new approaches, it's more about they've been successful because they've done things in a certain way. So they're exactly. holding on to those practices because it's what they know. Mm. It's what, what's what brought them success to begin with. Mm. And I think, you know, it's, it's a fear of the unknown. Like, why would I step away from the success I've had in this approach mm. and step into something that, doesn't necessarily, well, it's the unknown. So I don't know if it's going to work. I don't feel comfortable with it. I might not mm. like it. Um, I see more of that, you know? Mm. And so before we, we launch, well, when we launch programs, before people are starting coaching, you know, that's one of the things that we talk about is, you know, how the entire experience is about experimenting. And the more they can be open, the more they, you know, this is the place where you talk about things you can't do well, where you're stuck, where, you know, where you screwed up, where you're not sure how to do it so mm. that you normalize, Hey, all of us have that. Right. And, you know, if you want to make the most out of your coaching experience, it's go to the places that are hardest for you and go deep and be open. Um, so that you can move forward. And I, yeah. you know, we, we often use the language of, we want to champion our client, right but we definitely need to challenge them too. And it's that mix of both along the journey. Yeah. Yeah. And I imagine the initial building the rapport, building the trust, starting the foundation of a relationship is a key part of that, right? You're not just jumping into a room with seven, whatever, seven strangers or one stranger and oh. just start teaching stuff at them, right? It's, you have exactly. to develop that first. Yeah, that's, that's, huge right mm. building safety and trust and that's actually and that's one of our five elements of relationship mm. is uh is safe haven right mm. and i mean gosh we know through i'm thinking about google's research just a you know a couple years ago where they were studying predictor of teen success is building that psychological safety so yeah we need leaders to um to feel safe in those spaces. And so 
designing the coaching agreement with them up front um, and, you know, spending time, of course, you know, the, the sessions are confidential, but spending time to get to know that person and, and, you know, understand expectations back and forth and how you can best support them and how you can work with them and style preferences and, you know, just listening to their stories at the very beginning and defining what, what is it that they want to work on? And not only that, but what are the outcomes that they want to actually achieve? All hmm. of those foundational pieces are, are really important up front. That's for sure. It, it brings up one of the really um, important values that coaching relationships create is that it creates a different type of environment for somebody to explore things that they might not otherwise take the time or feel comfortable doing, right? So if you're in, let's just say our cliche corporate environment where, you know, uh, in the worst situations is people don't feel comfortable asking questions. They always have to know the answers. I'm just using, you know, mm. cliche versions of this that I'm sure I've changed for the better. But one of the things about that coaching environment and that relationship is you've now created the space, created the opportunity to let go of some of that, um, you know, the, the status mm -hmm. quo bias, right? And so they could start mm. opening up in a way that they might not normally feel comfortable doing, no? It's so true. And, and you know, what you just said there, I think that in a lot of cases, you know, leaders move into those roles but because they have been very good at um, expressing their ideas, having mm. strong opinions, sharing good ideas, being quick on their feet like that. Mm. And what's really interesting is, is yeah, so responding to things, you know, being really visible in meetings and, and contributing, having a high level of contribution through responding to things, giving answers to things, right? Um, is, is a way that they um, set themselves apart from their peers, it is. Mm. And so in a lot of cases, again, that would be, it's, it's a skill that they develop. And then as they move up the leadership ladder, the really interesting thing is that it's important to do less and less of that. Now, mm. I'm not saying be less visible. However, you know, it becomes increasingly important to leverage other types of conversation skills like asking questions. And that sounds really simple, but asking questions, being a great listener, um, become incredibly important as a senior leader for a number of reasons. One is so that you are asking provocative questions to develop your people, right? To mm. get them thinking about the things they need to think about on their own um, and to develop their skills. Um, but it's also because as you move up that ladder, right? You are not the one that's executing anymore. You're the mm -hmm. one that's influencing and guiding. And you can't develop deep insight around things unless you're asking those questions, right? Yeah. Otherwise, you don't, you don't really have any intel. So it's just really interesting how you, um, you need to actually move away from that and, and get more into inquiry. Yeah, and it would earlier. Yeah, and we see this with, you know, also, if you think about people moving up from the practitioner role of anything, sales, for instance, you know, into a mm -hmm. management role, management is a completely different set of skills, right? I mean, you know, what makes somebody a phenomenal salesperson doesn't necessarily make them a phenomenal sales manager or leader. Yeah. And in fact, yeah. it could be the opposite, right? Because they're so mm -hmm. used to doing things their own way. Um, do you do you find and kind of like, you know, uh, tagging a little bit what we talked about before, 
overall, your general sense, would you find that the executives that you work with generally have an appetite for learning, generally have an appetite for growth, even if they do have a little bit of like, this is work for me and they're a little uncomfortable making changes? Absolutely. Hmm. Absolutely, they do. I would find that, you know, most leaders that we're working with, you know, it's the exception um, to be a leader who doesn't have a lot of commitment to their own personal development, but mm. it's so attached to their organizations, right? They, they want to be great leaders. They mm. want to be good to their people. Um, you know, they are committed not only to their own success, but to their organizations. Like, yeah, they, they put a lot of energy in, um, mm. and really work hard, work hard to, you know, deliver as best they can. Yeah, it's yeah. It, it's an, an absolute honor, honestly, to be invited into, you know, the coaching conversations that I and my team get to participate in, you know, and support people, even people, mm. you know, I know there's lots of stories and, you know, of, of bad bosses out there, mm. right, and people who leave roles, right, you hear people leave roles more often because of uh, a bad boss than any other reason, and even the people that are struggling like that, you know, they don't want to be a jerk. Right. Yeah. Just often, yeah. They, they've adopted a style that, you know, in some lots of cases, they just they don't know how to do it a different way. Or they don't, yeah. they're not aware of the impact they have. So that's really exciting to open their eyes up to. And mm. again, even those people, um, it's, it's the odd case that doesn't want to develop and, and doesn't care about their people. Sure, sure. And, and on that, you know, taking a step back now and looking at kind of the bigger picture, the higher level of this, you know, when we think about, you know, how you engage with, you know, HR departments or individual mm -hmm. leaders that find you somehow, or, you know, through speaking or whatever your, your marketing uh, is, which I want to dive into those mm -hmm. specifics with you. Um, one of the things that, that makes this challenging from a marketing perspective, from a messaging perspective, is that you have, in some sense, two different clients that you need to speak to, right? You have one, mm -hmm. one hand, you have the HR, which have overlapping needs. And I mean, there's certainly uh, some, some, you know, dare I say synergy, I try not to use that word, <laughs> but uh, yes, there's, there's, uh, it integrates, let's say that, it aligns, but, um, but they, what their objectives are might be different. They're, they're on an organizational level. They have certain metrics that they need to meet or they need to, they need to live up to the, uh, what's being delivered to them or being asked of them by senior leadership. And then you have the people you work with themselves and, and the messaging and, in, in you know, how you, how you kind of reach out to both at the same time, that can be kind of tricky, no, or, or is it, or is it simpler than I'm making it seem? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I would agree with you, Marcus, that, you know, we really do think about them as much as there is overlap, mm. you know, we do look at them as two unique customers. And, you know, so that means that if we're working with an organization and we're going to be coaching a bunch of leaders, um, we are attending to the needs of those leaders. And, you know, we, we tend to call HR at that point our sponsor. So, you know, yeah, it's even, even, you know, programmatically what we need to deliver for the leader, like you're saying, is different than what we need to deliver for HR. Of course, those leaders need to have a great experience, right? Mm -hmm. um, but you're right. When we think about our sponsors, these HR leaders that are coming to us and, and wanting to develop those leaders, 
typically they've got a lot on their plate, right? Mm -hmm. They see a need for their people. And so for us, we make sure to distinctly take care of them. So in other words, what do they need, right? If Mm -hmm. busy, busy people, um, so how do we make their life easy? How do we streamline everything we do so we don't overwhelm them? You know, we also bring, we try to bring flexibility to meet them where they're at. You know, some of those HR people like to vet every step of the process and every, every material and others don't. And some are in the middle, you know, so making sure that we have that relationship conversation with those HR partners, like, how do you want to work with us? What's the, you know, the level of support um, and involvement you want to have with us so we can design that up front and deliver for them? Because at the end of the day, they need to justify their investment. They want Mm -hmm. to see the growth of their people. And we don't want this coaching to be a special project or something that Mm -hmm. they don't really know what's going on. So mm-hmm. we try and find as many ways that we can to engage them and, and get them information um, and results so that they're very close to these projects that we work with them on um, in a way that also protects the client and the confidentiality. Absolutely. And, and let's take a step before that, you know, prior to having the conversation with the HR department or well, let's mm-hmm. say the functional leadership or whoever is engaging you directly, right? So, so mm-hmm. there's you, you mentioned most of it is HR, but you also have other um, decision maker, I should say. Like, what are the other client types that engage with you directly? Is it mostly HR and then who else? Yeah, like um, you mean approaching us because they want some coaching, Marcus? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, for instance, you know, you said mostly you'll be, uh, your initial engagement Mm -hmm. will be through the HR department. They're going to, through whether it's your outreach or them finding you. But then um, do you have any examples of like outliers of like situations where let's say it was the the leader of a specific department that saw you and anything like that as an example? Absolutely. So that is, that is our second market. You know, I would, I would say for us, it's about 60%. um, So it might be even more single leaders come to us than, than you'd expect. So 60% uh, is driven by HR leaders, Mm. you know, or learning and development VPs, that kind of thing that come Mm. to us and they're looking for a learning solution, you know? Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. But we also 40% is, you know, executives themselves. And so, you know, those leaders recognizing that, you know, they want, um, could be work for themselves personally, Mm. or could be to develop their executive team, um, or the team that they work for. Got it. So it's kind of, there are situations where they're, they're, it's not just themselves, but they have a, a, a group their own team and they want Mm -hmm. to maybe I'll I'll say, let's Mm -hmm. say, you know, group workshops or some kind of interactive, uh, interactive process like that. Correct. Yeah. It's, it's often um, a workshop or it might actually be one-on-one coaching for their people. Mm. I'll give you an example. They'll say, Hey, you know, sometimes it's driven too by, you know, some internal reporting. So in other words, you know, they might get back some data points that say, you know, the team wants um, more support around career development. 
for mm. example. Mm. Okay, so they would approach us and say, you know, I really want to do something for my team to help them forward their careers. And we create a custom one-on-one coaching program for their people. Develop those, you know, plans for careers and to coach them across the year to whether it's think about, you know, the paths they want to take or develop, you know, very specific skills to ready them for the next position or grow in their role. That is, that's really important to people, right? Um, Having growth and development opportunities. So that's one example of where leaders might approach us to say, can you, can you coach my people? Right. Mm -hmm. And then even if, you know, like, let's say an individual executive coaching engagement, just the one-on-one kind of thing, is that something that you find is still is still sourced, not sourced is the wrong word. It's still something that functions through the company or did they, did they hire engage with you individually? Yeah. Some, some hire and engage with us individually. They mm. do. They reach out mm. on their own. Got they it. do. Yeah. yeah. And Which so makes it's, sense. yeah. And, and important for us to, like you were mentioning, Marcus, make sure that we've got, you know, marketing and sales focused towards the HR leader mm. and, and, you know, the, the leader themselves that would be getting the coaching. Mm-hmm. Sure. So let's, let's talk about that a little bit, the marketing and sales part. Can you, I know it's a big open-ended question, but can you <laughs> tell us a little bit about, you know, generally how you approach that? Like not, you know, both on the inbound side, like people find us through, you know, speaking engagements and also maybe if there's some outbound processes that you have to, to proactively reach out to potential uh, companies and clients. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, there's this boy, there's lots of pieces to this, isn't there? But I guess <laughs> yes. I, I would say, you know, in, in our industry, you know, I think I can say this collectively, you know, in the mm-hmm. coaching industry, and certainly is true for us is that, you know, so much of our business is driven by referrals. And mm-hmm. so very important to, you know, um, Pay attention to that. And it just speaks to, um, you know, the, the, the value of the relationships and the port importance of the relationships that we have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's also important then to think about, you know, how can we grow in a way that um, is a little more systematic, right? Is a little sure. more, yeah. Um, and so I know for us over the last year, you know, you, you just see, how much MarTech there is out there, mm-hmm. how important it is to, to, to really start to understand how to make the most out of digital world. So, you know, what we've tried to do is, is really embrace that um, so that we have a constant presence online. I guess the way we like to think about it is, is that, you know, we want to be speaking to our community. And when I say our community, you know, people are interested in what we're doing. They may mm. not even be buyers, but they want to read our content, right? Mm-hmm. They, they're connected into what we're doing. Um, and we want to have a conversation with them every day. So mm. we've made a very big investment around digital marketing over the last 12 months so that we're in conversation with people every day. Mm. And so that means, you know, having an SEO company, you know, having a video agency so that mm. we've, we're making content um, and, you know, having a, a strong team inside to be, you know, writing and researching and posting um, so that we're, we are 
active and um, engaged with people mm. all the time. That's been a, been a huge piece. And, you know, I know lots of companies out there doing this, but what we were speaking about earlier, you know, the need to speak to the HR leaders, as well as, you know, the individual executives means creating content for both audiences um, so that they can have, you know, a better understanding of um, when to use coaching, how to use coaching, how to set it up um, and just give them some, add some value, right? Mm -hmm. um, and make a strong case. So that's definitely a piece of it too. Not only, you know, strong, strong um, social, um, but developing content, both video and, and in our cases, you know, we like to create guides mm. so that people get content in their hands. So that's been probably the newest piece for us diving in, as well as a lot of other things. Sure. It's interesting. I just wanted to touch touch mm -hmm. on the what you mentioned about the mentioned about the educating the HR folks about coaching. And uh, if I'm hearing you right, you're saying that there's there's times when you really need to educate and um, move the needle on somebody even understanding how the coaching works, as opposed to there's some HR departments that just have engaged with coaches and they just they have their own process or whatever, right? So there's there's kind of like selling them on coaching to begin with to some degree, right? Yeah, I, I mean, yes, that I think that you know most everyone has heard of coaching. Mm -hmm. um, I think the, so the bigger opportunity around education is helping them really understand um, creating a more expansive view of what we mean by coaching programs. Mm -hmm. um, you know, historically when coaching first entered organizations, it was because there was a performance issue. Mm -hmm. And I know we've gotten away from that in most cases. However, um, I think that, you know, people, there, there's still a huge value in educating um, HR leaders in how you can place coaching in an organization. So for mm -hmm. example, maybe they've thought of using coaching for career development programs mm -hmm. or not, mm -hmm. or they might think about succession planning and we know how hugely that important that is right now. Um, but they might not realize, oh, Oh yeah. If once we identify who that successor is, you know, setting up a great coaching program to ready mm. that person so that, you know, in the next 12 months, they are good to go is that might be the place that they haven't thought about coaching or, you know, for a high potential program or to onboard senior leaders. If you want to ramp them up. I mean, Especially these days with the amount of complexity, the amount of change that leaders have to face, they jump into these senior roles. And I mean, the investment's great, isn't it? Like, like people, a lot of time, energy and money goes into finding a really great leader to join a company or to even step into that role. And as you know, we don't want them to fail. Yeah. And so if you hire, um, if you hire and create onboarding programs where coaching is there, you have a partner to support them in their very first year so that when they're trying to build the business knowledge, right, for the products, when they're trying to establish all of their relationships, when they're trying to build credibility with people in the organization and get some, you know, uh, big rocks moved and, and make an impact, 
HR leaders may not necessarily think of um, coaching in those instances. So it's just more about all the places that you can use it inside your organization that are really key, you know, moments in time. Yeah. And, and this kind of reminds me of why when I have conversations with people in so many different industries about the roles of selling, right? It's uh, mm-hmm. sales and selling can have such a, <laughs> such a polarizing effect on people. And I think about it in this way, right? You have an H with this context example, right? You have an HR team who has this, you know, this transition of leadership and they have all these potential challenges that come with it. And they don't necessarily think in terms of coaching as far as being one of the solutions to that. When mm-hmm. I think about selling coaching, right, or creating a, a unique mm-hmm. coaching brand or a training brand, your job, one's job, is to help them see new options. It's not to tell them that mm-hmm. this is the best thing or they should do this or that, but it's to, first of all, have the empathy in your marketing as well, you know, especially the marketing, to be able to see things from their perspective as opposed to, you know, coaching, 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 right? Here's yes, why this yes. is awesome. And here's our methodologies. And, yes. and I see this a lot so much in the industry where there is, there is the, the, the messaging that's really focused on the problem that you're solving, their perspective, the challenges they face, the goals they're trying to get, and then how the coaching or the training or the library of, of you know, materials fits into that. And then you have the, like, we are the preeminence, blah, 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 <laughs> right? And you know, that's something that I think when people think about the, the, the role of selling in their careers, in their business as a trainer or a coach, is to, is to reframe it a little bit and realize that it's not about pushing your stuff on somebody who doesn't want it. It's about starting with understanding their world as opposed to starting with your product or service. Does that mm-hmm. resonate at all with you? Do you have any, anything to add to that or any, any uh, points of view on that? Yeah, that hugely resonates, Marcus. I mean, honestly, you know, let's say we have somebody who's interested, who's reached out, we're connected, you know, in in the very first call that we ever have or meeting that we ever have, whether it's a leader, HR leader, um, they they don't really know what we do. They mm. don't they don't learn a lot about us in that first meeting. Mm. Um, because I agree with you, it's so important to understand them, right? Yeah. Who are they? Why are they showing up to the call? You know, what, what, you know, what brought them here? What pain are they experiencing? What have they tried before? What are they trying to accomplish? Like to, to really um, pull back the layers and really understand where they're coming from and what they need and what's happening in their organization is mm. so critical. And you need to go deep on that. You know, it's interesting because over the years, you know, we've been a coaching company for 20 years and Mm. over the years, I've seen it many times, you know, when you, when you just maybe hear, um, when you hear the client say something that could immediately take you over to your solution, Mm. there's a danger in doing that. (laughs) It's tempting. They say something and you're thinking, oh, now I can tell them all about, you know, program X. And it's like, don't do it. Yes. Don't do it. You gotta, you gotta keep asking them questions and learn more and explore, explore it and go deep. So I know for us, that's our approach anyway, is, you know, in that first, uh, first call with people is, is to really go deep, understand what they've tried before and what's happening to them and the impacts of that. 
um, and, and what they're looking for to get to really bring back the right solution and to really understand the customer a lot better. Absolutely. And, and you know, as a, as a kind of functional, tactical thing when it comes to selling, you know, the ideal, if I'm, if I'm on the phone with a Zoom call with a potential client, I mean, my favorite calls are the ones that it's me just like barely talking and they're just telling me <laughs> all this stuff, right? Because yes. it's like, that's the whole goal. I just want to understand you as much as possible. Yeah. And yeah, I'll guide yeah. it. I ask specific questions because I, mm -hmm. I, I want to tap into things more. But um, those are the those are the best conversations because then your job is to find the alignment, right? Your job is to find the fit and to express that in a way that resonates with them and that they understand it and it presents clear next steps so they're not confused and they don't feel like the whole thing's ambiguous and then they choose not to go. Like there's certain things that, <laughs> that are helpful, right? But um, ultimately, it's not it's not the um, you know, when people say like, oh, I try not to sell too much. It's like, well, do you? <laughs> I mean, this is selling and selling's okay, right? It's it's okay mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. when you're selling from their point of view and from empathy, it's actually quite a wonderful way to interact with people in, in, in my personal opinion. But uh, that's just me. Yeah, I agree with you. And I mean, that's that's part of our brand is, you know, we're, we're all about relationships. And so we mm -hmm. want to be in, in great relationship with our client. And you're right. It's like, we don't apologize for selling. It's like, no, if we, you know, to your point, if you are, um, if you're listening to your client, if you love what you do, you know, if you're demonstrating, it's, it's demonstration of caring about them, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. You know, and, and, are, you know, building a great partnership together. So there, there are, you know, lots of HR leaders out there who are really trying to solve some issues and really mm -hmm. help their leaders. So yeah, that's a, that's a great and exciting place to be. If we can listen well, understand them well, and come back with solutions and partner really closely with them to take their organizations to new places, that's amazing. I agree. And as we wrap up, I wanted to give you the chance, first of all, thank you so much for sharing so much of these amazing insights. I, I, everybody I talk to has their own unique perspective. And uh, I think when people are in this industry, they do it because they really care about it. And it's, it's always really uh, a pleasure to, to, to be able to have somebody share all that, um, all those experiences and, and how they help people. So thank you. Uh, I wanted to ask if you had any, as we wrap up, any parting words of advice for how people listening can, can build a unique training brand on their own. Hmm. Well, Marcus, I think, you know, you said the word unique, right? Mm. How can they, and, and I think it's, it's about getting in touch with, yeah, what does make you unique? And, you know, I know, I think I suffer from this, you know, still it's like, oh, but I want them to know we do this and this and this, mm -hmm. and we're, you know, we're great. And, you know, and so we, we don't want to go niche, right? Yeah. For fear that someone won't see there's something else that we can do for them. But really um, taking time to be reflective on your business and to look back and, you know, get really clear on, you know, why are customers buying from you? What is it that you do really well? Mm. Um, and, and focusing on those strengths and building them into the conversation. And I would say, you know, into the sales conversation. And I would say it may not be the what of your business. It might mm. be the how, right? Mm. I think... I think, again, I think there are lots of organizations who are looking for um, alignment with, you know, coaching organizations, training organizations. Um, 
and, and relationship and, and purpose matter a lot. So how you come to the table with them and how you're going to operate with them um, is really important. It can make a big difference. Thanks to Cheryl Brookleman for being on the show, and thanks to you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, I hope you'll consider leaving a rating and sharing it with a friend.